Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, everyone. This is Cookie Monster FL, Austin Zassman, joined by Chris Washer97 for another edition of the final stint, this time for December of 2022. Uh, we are right now in 2023, so we've got to always now preface the December 2022 bit, but uh, we have now crested into the dawn of the new golden age, Chris. This is... This is when things start to become crazy in the sports car prototype world, but we've got a lot of uh, other races to uh, preview and catch up on, as well as get you guys excited and pumped for the first major, major race coming up later this month in January, uh, the 24 Hours of Daytona. So, uh, yeah, Chris, how are you feeling uh, in the new year, Um, and what are you looking forward to most this month right now? I think the answer is obviously Daytona. As much as everyone wants to talk Daytona right now, it's it's kind of hard to keep our mouths shut about it because we're doing a specialty podcast on it around the middle of January, so keep an eye out on that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the good news is if you know, love the wonderful world of sports car racing, it's not really that much longer. You have to wait until another race comes on to kind of keep your mind off the waiting for a bit. Um Obviously, we have, in a week's time, the 24 Hours of Dubai um, that's coming up, which is not necessarily the most spectacular race in the world, but it's 24 hours of sports car racing to keep your mind off things for a bit and just set, just, just tune in a little bit. Even, you know, and they have Radio Le Mans as the commentary, so, and the nighttime stints of that crew was absolutely fantastic entertainment if you ever get the chance to listen. But yeah, uh, pretty much... After this weekend, I mean, this weekend, there's just, they're still racing with a Supercross in the States, but pretty much we're, we're back we're back on the racing wagon, baby. I also saw the uh, the little announcement with, with that, where they're going to get a British manufacturer coming in like a couple of years or something like that. Uh, <laughs> and that, that was just like, whoa, I don't think I've ever, I didn't think that that was going to be a thing. I, I don't know. I don't think, I don't want to say Triumph. It's it's one of them in, the, in, in Britain that's going to do it. So I was like, okay. Like, could we see a new little resurgence of uh, Supercross Motocross coming in the in the states? That'd be super interesting. But just yeah. just as a as a thing to to be on the lookout for too, there might be a manufacturer war coming. So that's also pretty and, interesting. And speaking of motocross, I, I just want to kind of go off track a little bit. Uh, there's this new thing called the Super Motocross World Championship, which is just basically races in the states. So another case of America being a world championship. Yay! Anyway, um, <laughs> this is just. It's an interesting tidbit. So recently, they announced that Chicagoland Speedway is becoming an event for that championship. And also the Charlotte Motor Speedway drag strip, the four-lane one. So if, you, if, you, if you're if you interested in wacky stuff towards the end of the year, they're going to be racing dirt bikes at tracks made at Chicagoland and the Charlotte drag strip. And a drag strip. I mean, yep. that's shades of uh, which which Midwest track that they used to do sports car racing on. I, I can't remember that. Uh, I feel like you would know this, Chris. It's they they did it on a like not and not Infineon or Sears Point, not that track, but it was another one in the Midwest where they it was a sports car race that you would see like Grand Am and Trans Am stuff at, but they used a major portion of the uh, uh, of the drag strip as like either the front stretch or one of the main courses. So. Yeah, it, it would be shades of like the '80s, '90s when they still did that back then, and I don't know how they how they would do that. Maybe they would go like, uh, I bet I wonder if they like have to jump over the drag strip, like they don't actually facil- like use the drag strip itself. They use the uh, dirt and stuff around the sides. 
I, I, yeah, I see what you're talking. They already released the track maps for it. There's nothing like we. Oh, know really? Although Chicago Lane looks very interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's basically they go up over the wall in like just before the beginning of turn one and go a little bit after that into whatever. Mm-hmm. And they go back onto like the actual circuit. See, that, I was gonna, I was going to mention that kind of stuff. I like I like it where they just do crazy stuff. They're like, you know what? We're going to go in the first level of the stands, like into the like the. Uh, concession area and then you guys gonna like come back down and go down like the stands onto the track i know the coliseum did that i like i like wacky tracks like that where you're just going under the stands like doing a tunnels and stuff that's cool to me so but yeah anyway there's uh, there's our uh our two minutes of supercross motocross uh discussion <laughs> obligated that we have to do every uh, podcast no i'm kidding but yep. <laughs> yeah i mean there's there's always something to look forward to especially in january i mean rolex comes at the end so all the good things come to those who wait but uh, there's still a lot to pack a punch for uh, for anybody who loves two stroke and two engine or uh, two wheel uh, two engine. That would be kind of crazy. Anyway, I've derailed it a little bit here. So, <laughs> do you want to do you want to talk about the Dubai uh, 24 hour preview? We'll uh, mention that a little bit. Yeah, I'll be, uh, yeah, I'd be happy to. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I think we left off. We talked about the Gulf 12 hour. That race, that race happened. It did. Um, it was a race. It, it was a fine race. It wasn't that bad. I mean, it was probably the best race in that ser- uh, that yeah. race's history. But that's not really. I mean, that's not exactly saying it's you know top tier racing. But it was fine for what it was. AF Corsa uh, took one two in the Ferraris after a disastrous race with the Group M Mercedes. Group M Mercedes, yeah. by the way, <laughs> was was like your typical Mercedes like stalwarts. Like these, and they were like fast in practices. They were fast in qualifying. People expected yeah. them to be like pushing ahead and go all the way to the front and be dominating, and that didn't happen. They encountered issues. Like literally, the first like the one of the cars wrecked in the first part of the race. I can't remember what the other was. Not the force. I think it might have been like a radiator issue or yeah, something along yep, the lines. Yep. But they uh, they also employed a weird strategy early on where they pitted like the first lap too. That was interesting. Uh, also, the right. rain, uh, the rain being that's a right, factor. Rained. Yeah, that was that was that was the only like whoa, that's interesting part of the race for me. That was just like I was not expecting rain at all. Nobody else was. That was fun. Oh yeah, that, yeah. Like I think we had a we had a person at the circuit, and we checked the weather. It's like oh, it doesn't look like it's gonna rain even though there's like sprinkles of it in qualifying the night before mm-hmm. all of a sudden just a, a deluge came down like there's like <laughs> a five minute period where the track was actually legit wet and with it being the middle east rain you know obviously doesn't stay long so everyone's like oh we're not gonna go for wets so it just led to like a minutes of chaos um and that was just that was awesome and then the, the race kind of settled down after that i think like there's there's some shuffling for positions and stuff but uh pretty much it, it kind of settled down after that with af corsa comfortably taking the lead and going on towards the end and that and that pit strategy you mentioned um so they had a thing they, they also did this at the bathurst 12 hour in 2022 as well where they had a thing was like okay you have to do this amount of pit stops during the race mm-hmm. and you have to do basically like you have to do like the minimum time otherwise the pit stop doesn't count so that's that's what they're doing. They're basically getting one of those mandatory stops out of the way, and it definitely to probably led things to be more confusing than they actually should have been. I don't know why they put 
that regulation for pit stops in place, even though they still have the you know the 65 minute stint link thing, which I think should be absolutely abolished. I think that's asinine. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for for anyone who is wondering what the hell happened, that's the reason why they wanted to get one of their mandatory pit stops out of the way. That's why they pitted on lap one, so that way if they get a safety car, so to speak, they can catch right back up when they're minus yeah, one a pit stop. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. I, I I mean, and people reacted a little bit to that too. But beyond that, I mean, it was an interesting thing, and I understand why they did it. I mean, they're reacting specifically to the regulations that were stating that, and I I understand mm-hmm. you know trying to front load as much as you can. So when you're left with it, you're all you need to do is go. I mean, we only need to stop for, I mean, obviously fuel, but maybe tires, and you're not really bound by that mandatory pit stop specifically. So it's just trying to remove any extra, you know. Uh, variables to the last pit stop equation uh, and I, I get it, it just looks really confusing but yeah good run for the of course the team um yeah they they had good pace the entire race I, I think Mercedes if they did not have troubles the way that they did I think they would have been right there uh they still had good driver combos um you know and then the aces that were at Macau were still up there fighting at the beginning so it was cool to see that almost a transition from you know, one major race to the other, basically just the same two guys fighting it out a bit. But um, yeah, I, I would have loved to see the Mercedes team kind of hold together a bit more. But, you know, credit to A, of course, are they were consistent uh, and they had, you know, the, their driver lineups uh, absolutely delivered when they needed to. And that was the the last factory outing for the 488 GT3 as everyone's going to be transitioning to the 296 in the year 2023. Although, speaking of the 488s, we got to talk about this Dubai race cookie, and we got a 488 in that. Uh, yeah, we've got a lot of different cars in that. Uh, and I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it, especially with some of the entries. Uh, some, like, familiar names, some less known, but all going to be uh, potentially, especially for the different classes, uh, for the Pro-Am and Am, they're going to be competitive. Absolutely. And the race... See, we're talking about this. So basically, in a week from now, the race will start. Let me just get an exact date, just in case. Uh, The 15th of January is when this race will start, and it'll be on a Saturday this year because of of the UAE switching to, I don't want to say like a a normal weekend. That's kind of disrespective to what their culture was or what their culture is, but... um, aligned with more like the rest of the world with the Saturday and Sunday instead of a Friday Saturday setup. So now uh, the, the racing will not start on Friday anymore. So if you if you're a uh, normal adult host to work like us, this is great news. You can now have <laughs> now the weekend is uh aligned with 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 ours so to speak so we can catch all 24 hours without missing a day of work. Um there's also supports. There's Clio Cup. Um, there's a Clio Cup. There's the F4 and Formula Regional Championships. And I believe that's it. And those are obviously going to be on the Friday and Saturday local time. Um, one disappointing thing about this race, though. Uh, last year, I remember I remember hearing there's around 70 entries. Unfortunately, we dipped down to... Uh, believe one of the lowest of all time 54 cars for this year's event and that's encompassing gt uh three gt4 and, and technically gtx too correct i believe yeah, but yeah that's encompassing the entire grid yeah 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 
Yeah, it's definitely a downturn. Um, I also think this is hitting in a weird transition too with, uh, um, I don't want to say the LMDH, LMH, GTP factor, but definitely, I mean, the Ferrari 296 coming out. Um, and I, I think it is a little bit of an interesting time for teams to, like, I, I, this seems to be like the upgrade season for teams. And I feel like if there would be other um, opportunities for, some of these regular teams to go to the 24 hours of Dubai, there might be some priorities shifted because of the musical chairs, so to speak, with IMSA and WC and ELMS and Asian Mall Series and just the different kinds of teams and what they're racing and what they're planning this year. So I, I don't think that this is a sign of things to come. I think it's, I think this is just catching at a weird time right now in the sports car world for, um, the appropriate teams to kind of show up and fill those grids or maybe not because of various little things that might be happening. So, yeah, well, it, it still is a good grid though. I mean, looking at the entry list, it's uh, it's good. Yeah. Like if you're like, I'm going to be honest, it's Creventic. So if people, people listening to this, if you're expecting like a barn burner of a racer, like not going to get that. It's based, it's one of those classic old school endurance races where, because there's no safety cars involved. It's all code 60s, and basically what that means is there's an incident on track. What they do is they just fly a code 60, which is a purple flag with a 60 on it, where everyone has to go 60 kilometers an hour and just to maintain the gaps that are made during green flag running. And then they go back racing once it goes green. So there's, there's, there's nothing to bunch the field up. So, like, basically, like, you, you have to get there on pure pace, or by luck, by your opponents crashing out, having problems. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's 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 one of those races. So basically, this is great if you just love cars whirling around. Especially this is one of the longest night times in a yep. twenty-four hour race as well. So like you get a bunch of onboards and just like kind of like a single cam shot. They get they have like a single camera that covers pretty much the entirety of the track. That's kind of like a it's kind of like a chill vibe with Radio Le Mans commentary over it. That's pretty much all you need to take it for, in my opinion. Because um, if you expect anything more, you're just gonna be disappointed um but anyway uh, i do think the problem might extend a little bit deeper than what you said i do not think it's because of a transition year i because if you take a look at any dubai grid obviously the gt cars are going to be make the make the most of it but you also have the touring cars that added that bit of depth as well and what we're seeing here we only have like five seven touring cars on the grid um, now what I mean by that is they have a separate category called TCE, which is Turn Car Endurance, and there's only like I don't know five or seven cars, and two of them are Porsche GT4s for some reason. Um, it's a very very small grid on the touring car front, and that's normally where you got your extra entries in. It's probably because you know some of these people they just don't feel like it's fun anymore because the pro cars and the faster cars are you know bullying them around. Or, you know, they don't feel like it's safe anymore. Whatever the yeah. myriad of reasons. This is the same thing happening in the uh, NLS also. Because, you know, all these smaller teams who were there in the beginning and it, it was, you know, they feel like it's gotten too professional. It's not for them anymore. They kind of got pushed out. So I think this is a bigger reason than uh, what people think <laughs> it's being led on. So hopefully it's fixed. 
But that, so that it's just a, a, a low year, and next year it'll be back to over 60. Because I, I read the regulations, and the maximum they can put in this race is 100 cars. So maybe not 100 cars, <laughs> but hopefully we can get back to uh, yeah. a, 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 like a, a middle ground. Or maybe 70, 75 cars that we had before. I feel like not before. But yeah, um, I, but yeah, unfortunately, I think that's it, it might not just be a transition here for GT3s. I do think it's because it might have the race might have gotten too professional for these smaller teams and so they don't bring out like th those those cars anymore like the uh, Clio Cups and the uh, um, like Acura Integras and stuff like that yeah that's true uh, but to a certain extent like that it was always going to be a possibility when it comes to the Creventic I mean it, it, it especially with the uh, I think the general feeling is that sports car racing has, has absolutely a place um, like no matter what and I think not that I would speak for everybody, but I, I would think in, you know, 10 years ago or even a little bit before that, you know, especially with Peugeot leaving and, you know, Porsche, Audi having those problems, like there was definitely not a concern, but I think where people were not sure what environment was going to exist or be around for sports car racing. And I just think that through the 2008 financial crisis and all that stuff and to see the rebound for sports car racing and the consolidation of essentially what was competing brands um, stateside. I mean, you've seen a huge resurgence in this. And so I do think that uh, Creventic, you know, coming around at the right time to kind of still capture those old guys, the us, the nerds, you know, the, the, the people that are still interested in just basic 24 hour racing, especially the guys that'll just show up and, you know, it's more am focused uh, as the, uh, series and I, I would say the sport itself is is maintaining itself if not flourishing like you're going to start finding more people that can afford to run these races and for the costs uh, versus you know uh, competing locally versus like showing up and being on TV 24 hours you know just having fun uh, Creventic is doing that and it's it's tough to see the little guys get squeezed out I just think that this is the way that they've structured this and set this up is that that's um you know, it's unfortunately a byproduct of the popularity and the attention that it's getting because it has been a successful one. And then, you know, maybe there is um, opportunities there where they can introduce a couple extra races a year where it is strictly AMs and where they really do focus 100% on on some AMs or do something where it, it, it constricts the amount of professionalism that's at these events, if that is the allure um, for a lot of people. So, I, you know, I... I don't want to say it's a good problem to have because it's a reduction in car counts. I just hope that it's it's it has a more positive ending uh, the way I'm thinking it right now. But we'll see. I mean, I, I you know, I hope next year will be a big rebound than what we're seeing right here because 55 is or 50 in the 50s is not necessarily what you want to have from years past. So yeah, and this is just comparatively speaking, obviously like any other person like without context when you hear all oh, 54 cars it's a bad grid you're like well, what are you talking about <laughs> that's what, right so i point out that this is comparatively or comparative to to past grids where they had like you know over 60 70 80 car even i remember they had like 100 cars at one one year um that and i think only like 97 98 started or something like that it was just absolutely chaos but anyway let's talk about something Positive. Uh, let's take a look at some of these cars that are erasing. Um, this is good to do rapid fire. I could do a traditional entry list podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so first off, we got Abu Dhabi Racing by HRT, which is basically just helped racing team, re- re- just with Abu Dhabi Racing in front of it. It has the the, the yellow and blue Bilstein car or the Bilstein car, how you ever pronounce that. Um, if you've seen the Nurburgring 24 or DTM, you know this car. Um, Hubert Hobb, Khaled Al Kubasi, who raced WEC before with the Abu Dhabi Racing by Proton Porsches. Sebastian Bowden and Jules Gunan, who oh, fast actually. I have a story on Jules Gunan, Cookie, that you might be interested in. Did you know that he changed his, uh, not trying not, not his nationality, that'd be a very bad way of putting it. He changed his motorsport license from France to Andorra. Why would he do that? Because he was snubbed at the FFSA awards. Which is, <laughs> FFSA is the French motorsport ASN. Yeah, yeah. wow. <laughs> <laughs> So he he did all this, you know, because he's a good driver, and he felt he wasn't appreciated enough. He didn't, like, I guess he wasn't invited to the awards at all. So he's like, you know what? I'm gonna go somewhere where like I'm automatically the best driver by default. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. I mean, I guess race of champions would be interesting then. <laughs> or any, uh, or I'm sorry, the world, um, the motorsport cup. Uh, that would be oh, also interesting yeah. too. Yeah. But. <laughs> Then afterwards, you get the first of the WRT cars. This is actually the debut of WRT with their BMW M- M4s, am I right? Yep, M4s. I have playing for from This one, now this is, if you watched, watched Dubai in the past, this would be like your Saudi Arabia car with the Audi that WRT used to do. Um, there's Yang's Klingman, there's Dries Van Thorpe, but then there's like other people like John Baptiste Simenauer who raced... Audis before with Santa Lock, I believe. Diego Menchaca, which I remember seeing him name around. And then you have the Saudi that's paying the bills. Then you have Grove Racing, but you have the Groves. And then you got two interesting people. Um, Anton De Pasquale, which supercars driver. Yep. And Earl Bamber. I like that lineup. <laughs> that's... That's pretty much a Antipodean lineup right there. That, like, if you're Antipodean, you're pretty much cheering for that lineup in this race. Like, that's as <laughs> <has> every <laughs> yeah supercars driver, and you got one of the, like one of the best GT drivers that Porsche has. So, that's gonna be interesting. Oh, you're gonna be gonna love this cookie. So, there's a team from Antigua and Barbuda called Haas RT. No relation to the, uh, you know Gene Haas or yep. the F1 or NASCAR team. And it has a very colorful livery. It's kind of it, it, yeah, it's kind of blue in the front with kind of like red markings, and then to, more to, black towards the end. Yeah. Now this is on if you go on the Creventic website, 24hourseries.com, they have an entry list, and you'll you'll see all the pictures. Um, but in this car, Maxime Soule is in a ride. It's just great to see. Yep. He was one of the Bentley boys before they called off that program. Uh, and Frederick Verviche. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> this is going to be a very, very quick and decisive car through traffic, too. <laughs> yeah. Just the, then you have the Santilock Jr. team, Simon Gachet, and then you got Erwan Bastard, who made his GT3 debut at the Gulf 12 Hours, and that name will never not be funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it works for me, too. <laughs> This is all Dutch lineup for Team GP Elite. And then you have 
probably the most gonna be the most followed car in existence of this race number 46 team wrt valentino rossi <laughs> but yeah maxi martin in the uh and sean galale as well i see and also max hesse which is he was a bmw junior driver um last year so he's then the only like person is Tim Whale, who I don't know who he is at all. <laughs> yeah, good luck, buddy. <laughs> but in preventing preventing rules, you have to have an AM on the car, even though if it's a, you know, like you can't have an all pro lineup, you have to have like some form of an AM, either a semi pro or an AM on the car. You can't have a full pro lineup. Then you have Attempto Racing, which has no driver lineup yet, so we'll see if that bumps down the entry list to 53 cars. Yeah, it's an autopilot right now. Autopilot yep. car. We've got Almanar Racing, which has uh, Lucas Stoltz, Fabian Schiller, Axel Jeffries, Martin Conrad. And then uh, you got Pure Racing, which is a newer team that came out. This one, Sven Mueller, and then they got some Porsche Cup guys. Joel Stern races ADAC GT for Allied, and then they got Harry King, and then they got a amateur British driver that races for Redline in British GT, I think. Yeah. Then there's Phoenix Racing, there's, you know, Pierre Kaffer, who is pretty much the only person people are going to know on that team. The rest are kind of like Creventic people have been with that team forever. Then you got the only 488 GT3 in the field. This is a car from Visium Racing, which they compete in the Ultimate Cup Series, which is basically, if you knew about the VDV, the Ultimate Cup Series is basically what replaced that. It's basically they have like endurance races for GT cars and then prototypes, but mm -hmm. they get very little grids. Literally very little grids. Didn't there... Oh yeah, there was that huge Ferrari crash that happened like a few years ago from that, where there's like eight cars that were entered or something oh that was that was that was french gt championship oh itself. okay okay that was the uh okay that was the full french gt championship never mind but, yeah and the ba yeah basically the ultimate cup series is like hey we're gonna stick gt3s gt4s gt cups and other stuff and the prototypes are like cns lmp3s p4s mm. from, from 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 the leisure stuff so that's that's what that is then you got Pulsen motorsport which is basically from what sounds like this is going to be the same car running under the GMB Motorsport banner for Michelin Le Mans Cup because they got some of the same drivers involved to that program. Okay. MP Motorsport, which is basically, once again, another another Dutch fest in there. <laughs> then here's here's something that the IMSA regulars will, will know. We got uh, Heart of Racing in a Mercedes. Yeah, and also check out Check out who's the driver for one of those. Gray Newell. <laughs> I believe there's some relation to Gaben. Uh, yep. <laughs> yes, it is. And for those who um, who don't know part of racing's usual lineup, we got Ian James, who I believe races for the GT4 in SRO stuff. Then we got Roman DeAngelis and Alex Ribeiros. Then you got... Uh, Salison by Cox Racing, who also be racing in the Asian Le Mans series. Uh, you got Peter Cox, Tom Boonen, which I believe is a huge cyclist with a, a big name in the cyclist world. Then we got two Herberth cars. One of them is kind of pure black, and one of them is going to be uh, a little purplish pink. Get the Renauer, uh, Renauer uh, twins. And then 
the purplish car, the pinkish car, that that's an SRO America lineup. Because the, these racers drive GT4 America, Jason Hart, Elliot Skier, Adam Edelson, Seth Lucas. And then let's see, just a, just a cap off the GT3s, you got uh, Seven Sticks Racing, which was a British GT team. And then you got uh, CP Racing, which are your defending champions of the points championship, not Dubai. Um, WRT are the defending winners of Dubai. But uh, you got Charles, if you know Grand Am or old IMSA, you would know these names. Charles Putman, Charles Espinlob, Joe Foster, and Shane Lewis. And then you got Philip Quaife, who Rooster raced um, with, I believe, I don't remember where exactly he raced, but he used to be a British GT guy, and he's going to be associating these Americans. So that's around 20 GT3 cars for the 24 hours of Dubai. Any any final thoughts? Any any predictions you have from this grid? Ooh, uh, predictions. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, I would be shocked if the 46 wins. That's probably my only prediction. I don't. I don't expect. I, I wouldn't expect the 46 to win, but we'll see. Because uh, it's just gonna, that's going to just have so much buzz around it. Uh, over under the Amada interviews done in 24 hour period with Valentino Rossi, I'll do seven and a half will be the number. What do you say? Seven and a half. Yeah. I'm gonna, let's see. It's a 24 hour race. Or are we just talking about the race itself or the weekend in total? I'm talking just the race itself. How many times do you race think itself. they interview Valentino Rossi? Well, they got, I believe they got like five guys in that car. So generally speaking, they'll be racing less than six hours each. Mm -hmm. But that, uh, that allows him to hang out in the pit lane a right. bit. And if that's the case, he just needs to get spotted just a couple times. And I mean, we're talking uh, a couple of interviews in an hour, even. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say three. I'm gonna say three. You're gonna say three, man. Yeah, I'm gonna say three. Okay. Okay. Man, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll, I, I thought I might have said it too low, but maybe I said it too high. Okay, I'll take the. Uh, Man, you almost convinced me. I'll still take the over. I'll take the over. I think they're going to interview him more than seven and a half times. I think it's eight or up. All right. We'll see. All right. <laughs> That's once every three uh, hours, Chris. So. <laughs> ooh. Well, I'm going to put in my Chris Washer 97 certified locked in pick of the race. I'm going to go with the number four car because it's hrt and they normally do good here that's that's all i'm gonna elaborate on <laughs> um i like so, uh yeah i don't know uh i do like the 10 i do like that driver lineup to a certain extent hopefully steven grove doesn't mess up but i do anyway, like pasquale yep. oh yeah he's, he's fascinating for sure very good yep anyway let's quickly move through the other i'm not gonna take as long as them uh you got the Vortex V8s, which, I mean, they're kind of like, uh, basically, they like to break down a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, yes, I was going to say, if you can't figure out a word, I'll say it. They completely break down or get involved in accidents, like every race. <laughs> and you anyway. got uh, a KTM crossbow, the GTX, which I believe is like the GT2 car, but a little bit like more modified. I'll have to get more information on that. And you have a whole lineup of Porsche Cup cars, but there's only one that's interesting to me. Um, there's this car, it's called P1 Group by MRS GT Racing. Um, so, judging by delivery, okay, so, if you haven't heard about this team, they're going to be racing in GT America, 
and they got OnlyFans sponsorship. <laughs> but they won't. Uh, from what I'm here, well, I'm looking at the intros here. They won't have it for Dubai. I think we all know. Well, obvious reasons. It, it looks like they have OFTV on it, so it's OnlyFans right. TV. <laughs> so it's yeah. not the actual logo, but it's their TV yeah, it's version like, of it, which is fantastic. Yeah, they got a bunch of you know. I'm trying to. I don't believe there's anything too interesting, and I don't want to dive deep into these smaller classes because who knows? They might just drop off the grid. Because Cookie, I don't know if I talked to you about this. They were boasting, I don't know, September, October. Yeah. They're like, oh, we got like 80, 90 cars entered for this event, and now we're down to 54. With I saw that. Potentially yeah. 53 if that attempt of racing car doesn't get any, any drivers. Yeah. So. Autopilot. Basically, yeah, so basically you'll have a bunch of 992s. They and then, even have a separate class, like 992 and 992M. Yep. Then, like, five GT4s. And then, like, hold on here. I'm going to count the touring car grid. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven. And two of them are Porsche GT4s. Only so, and it's and then, then obviously that's so seven cars will compete for their own championship for TC. But that's the 24 hours of Dubai in a nutshell. Um, that's pretty much all you need to know. Uh, just tune into the race and just enjoy cars on track. If you're looking for like actual competition, uh, I would wait until Daytona. <laughs> but <laughs> Dubai is a great start to the year just to watch sport sporty cars kick around the track for 24 hours. Um, that being said, there's there's also a, another sporty car series that's taking place in the Middle East, although after Daytona, and that's the Asian Le Mans series. Heck yeah, here we go. <laughs> First uh, ACOs championship of the new year, and um, they've got uh, the series scheduled for uh, basically two weekends in February. They're going to do uh, two races each, just like they've been doing since COVID started. Um, at the Dubai Autodrome on the 10th and 12th of February and the Yasmari Circuit of following week later, 17th and 19th of February. So, uh, very truncated yep. schedule again, as usual. Uh, I hope at some point next year we can get to a point where we can start visiting tracks again because it would be awesome to see this go on for more than just two weekends. But uh, it's still a fantastic series uh, and it looks like it's going to have good entrances here as well. Yeah, it's, uh, I can't remember what, I believe they said like 48 cars, which would be a record-breaking mm -hmm. grid for the Asian Le Mans series. So the calendar, unfortunately, a little bit stagnant after a couple of years. It's nice to see um, actual competition in this series, especially LMP2. LMP2 is the very noticeable increase because we only had like two full-time LMP2 cars last year, and then we only had United show up for the last two races at Yas Marina. Mm -hmm. Um I mean, take a look at the LMP2 grid. I mean, you got the usual suspects. You got DKR Engineering, who is usually an LMP3 team, now taking their chances at the Asian Le Mans overall. Uh, United Autosports is coming in, although one of their cars is not going to be in their typical United Autosport colors. It will be in the Bend Motorsport Park uh, livery that you've seen in, in like Australian GT. Uh, Nielsen Racing, Cool Racing, Inter Europol, ARC Bratislava, Algarve Pro. So you like your usual suspects. Then we have a uh, 99 racing. 
Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Very. Nobody knows where this team came from. Um. But there is what there was an endurance info article, which kind of put very, 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 very loose ends together and try to make a story out of it. Yeah. Um, something, something in Nikita Mazepin. We'll have to see if that takes. I don't know. We'll have to wait on seeing that one. From what I've heard, that sounded like a very, very, very uh, huge straw to grasp on that aspect. But yeah, I mean, take take a look at the LMP2 grid. Let me just count it out for you. Last year we had two full time, right? Here we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. That's that's a very noticeable improvement. Yeah, honestly, and uh, again, there's uh, the the kind of heavy hitters that we had the last few years are still there, um, and yeah, I mean we we might get more little you know little little money laundering kind of you know little side side stepping here with whatever ninety nine racing is. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, it just Asian Le Mans series is uh, just is a series that refuses to die, even though it had a lot working against it. Probably not necessarily at the beginning, but definitely with COVID and and how the region kind of has to treat uh, you know this and basically just being forced out of the region for three and a half years. Um, you know, there's it's I don't want to say it's thriving, but it's doing well, uh, and that's just something that I don't know at the height. You know, even at the start of COVID, we could think that that would be able to kind of hang on and whatnot. I, I definitely remember saying that I had concerns over it just because of, you know, the the odds stacking against it with what it needed to do. So, yeah, it's really comforting just to see how many on this potential season entry list that we've got here, and it's about a month to go. So um, there's not many uh, to-be-announced drivers uh, as of yet on some critical ones. Uh, definitely not LMP3, but uh, it's just good to see a pretty like healthy LMP2 grid. And dropping below LMP2, we got I mean you, we got your usual suspects to see in P3 racing. You got CD Sport, Nielsen Racing, DKR, Graf, Wacken uh, Spiegel Team, Monschau, um, Rinaldi, RLRM Sport, Cool Racing, 360 Racing, MV2S Racing, Inter Europol Competition, and then. Uh, so basically everything I listed so far has been either in like ELMS or a Michelin Law Cup. No surprises there. But then we got Conrad Motorsport making their debut for LMP3 racing in an ACO series. Um, if you haven't heard, they raced in Prototype Cup Germany last year with the Janetta. And looks like they're doing two cars for this year's championship. And I mean, the Conrad livers also it just looks so good. Mm. So it's, it's just an awesome addition to them to have them on the grid. And actually, well, little Conrad fun fact. I was rewatching the 2014 and 2015 Rolexes this past couple of weeks, and I never realized that Conrad Motorsport fielded a GT Daytona Porsche. Hmm. I feel like maybe. Oh wow! I did not know that either, or I don't. I forgot. <laughs> I just always remember them in a different manufacturer, <laughs> never in Porsche. Yeah. 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 It's just... Well, a little, little, little tidbit, a little, a little, uh, little appetizer to get you going before yeah. you do the. Full well, and they're running hour. the Janettas, so uh, you gotta, you kind of right. have to pull for them just for the equalization sake. You're like, please, dear God, just at least have a car that can compete with either the Liger or the Decane. But uh, 
Anyway, that's a whole other story for the four manufacturers <laughs> bit that the ACO continually fails at. And I just don't want to be a Debbie Downer and just a sourpuss <laughs> about the whole fact that they apparently can't seem to ever, ever get to that point. And it's just like, why? Anyway, never mind. That's that's not my rant for today. So, well, I mean, if if it's a consolation cookie, look at the GT grid we got. I mean, yes, this has to be over. Let's see, forty-eight. It has to be over twenty cars. Well, you, you know what? You know what? You know what, Chris? I think we need to actually induce a five manufacturer limit on this class because you don't know if these <laughs> manufacturers are going to genuinely pull out of the sport leaving us without any GT manufacturers, okay? So I think we need to in, in, induce that kind of a restriction. I'm sorry, never mind. What, what were you saying, Chris? Well, I mean, the entry is that, I mean, it's really just a who's who in terms of teams of, 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 of GT race. I mean, you got, you got helped racing team um, who's going to be fielding two cars. Get speed performance, which I believe one of them is going to be in a yellowish livery. Like they have a speed taxi thing that they do on the Nordschleife that where basically you pay to get inside a passenger side of a race car and a driver, you know, takes you on the lap. I think that's, I think it's Race Taxi is the company that's sponsored. Then we got a kind of a, I believe a Chinese owned car, which is more pinkish. And we have Leipert Motorsport, who is racing GT World Challenge and Super Trofeo. Uh, Marco Mapelli's in that car. Um, that's what the and Brendan Brendan Leach, if you follow New Zealand motorsport at all, he's also in there. I forgot to mention the Get Speed car has Rafael Marcello and uh, Fabian Schiller, mm. and Florian Schulz is actually not that bad either. So that's going to be a car to look out for. Then Herbert Motorsport says here they have three cars on the docket. Then there's AF Corsa. I mean, it's not a sports car race without AF Corsa. In it. A Vulcan Horse Dynamic Racing Car Guy Kessel. Garage 59, Formula Racing is making their ACO racing comeback. Uh, I mean, they I remember them when they used to race in the uh, ELMS with mm. their Ferrari 458s. So it's nice to see them make a comeback after years of Ferrari Challenge. All in 488s, uh, all in too. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, no 296s here. This is uh, just a 488 four special. So if you love the 488, you still get to see them in sort of a top tier. I mean, not top tier, but like relevant competition. Yep. Um, so to speak. Meaningful um, pro GT racing, for sure. Right. And TF Sport, they have, they are fielding three cars, with one of them being from D-Station. And I mean, um, and they got uh, Viper Nisa Racing making a comeback to the Asian Le Mans series. If you don't remember, they used to have that LMP3 that green hmm. colored LMP3 and they, and they have a new Vantage that's going to be on the grid which absolutely looks fantastic they raced in uh, the last couple rounds of the Thailand Super Series and had some well, maybe not the best results but they, they were they were they were fine um, another Aston making it onto the grid is Bullet Racing who raced in the Lamar Cup last year uh, and then we got Orange Racing powered by JMH which, if you don't know who these guys are, they are from GT, the GT Cup Championship in the UK. And so having them in, that, in the Asian Mall was kind of a, a big step. But I guess now I believe they're also competing in the British GT Championship this year also. So uh, they're, they're, take, they're, taking, they're taking the steps in stride. And they're wanting to move up. We'll see if it's too quick. We'll have to see. Um, 
Oh, they, they, they did have the GT Cup Championship lineup on that car. So I, I, don't, I don't know. We'll see how that car does. I don't think it's going to do fairly well compared to others. And we got Hub Auto Racing making a comeback after years of kind of just staying in Taiwan, uh, not Thailand, Taiwan, with uh, TCR Thai, uh, Thai, Taiwan in that championship over there. Um, they're making a comeback with their Mercedes AMG GT3. And then we got the other car we talked about uh, in the Dubai 24, Pure Racing. Is also going to be on the grid, so that's a huge amount of GT cars going to be competing. So, uh, yeah, I mean, all, I mean, in the four races, they're pretty much back to back. You got two races one weekend and two races the other. It's going to be a lot to take in. Yeah, good racing, and it's going to definitely uh, play a factor uh, just with the grid counts on um, on traffic and having to do traffic management as well. Something not necessarily that. I mean, it definitely has played a factor in previous, but uh, there's going to be, it's going to be much more crowded track. And, you know, these are basically, you know, Grand Prix tracks. Uh, and so it'll be interesting to see how uh, the LMP2s manage um, probably some, some pretty tr thick traffic at times. So uh, definitely there will be teams in here that are just looking for clean runs. So I, I think it'll produce some some uh, crazy moments at some point because, uh, yeah, there's just a lot of wild cards kind of in these entry lists too. Uh, that you'd think that there might be something going, you know, that might that might surprise people. Uh, but yeah, I'm I Asian Law series is just such a hidden gem. Uh, it's such a great little series, and the fact that you can kind of watch it now in two weeks, like I said, it stinks because it should be drawn out a little bit more. But at the same time, I mean, you get fantastic racing the basically for two weekends in a row after the Rolex Twenty Four. It's a great. Uh, as Indecisive Rock says, it's the drunken after party for the Rolex. So <laughs> I totally agree with that statement. I thought I saw something about Vulcan Horse releasing their lineup recently. They included like Chandler Hall and uh, like Bill Oberlin or something. Some, I I might be me doing a Mandela effect on that. Well, that'll be a hashtag wait and see situation. And if you're listening, just uh, keep an eye on that. Um, see if that pops up any fruition. But yeah, I mean Asian Le Mans. Pretty much. When does it start? Uh, at the weekend after the Bathurst 12 hours. So it's not even the. Uh, Staying in the clash with any other sports car events, pretty much. So, so pretty, so pretty, so pretty much from next weekend on, we got sports car racing every week. I can't complain. Not no, at all. Neither can I. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I'm sure we could find something. Yeah, it's gonna be great. Uh, you know, it really gets you, you know, back in the saddle when it comes to uh, sports car racing and leads you back into March, where really that kind of, uh, really the season kicks off for a lot of the major uh, sports car racing uh, championships. So uh, you really just do see uh, the sports car world start coming back to life uh, at the end of January here and uh, work its way all the way through uh, spring. So I'm I'm totally excited. I mean, any, any 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 final thoughts? I mean, obviously we got Dubai and uh, Asia Le Mans here. Let's actually make a quick tidbit. We got the there's something called the Bahrain Pro Am 1000. No idea how that event is going. I haven't heard any of like cars entered for that. Um, basically, the idea behind it is like, hey, we want to give Pro Am entries, you know, an an overall race to win, which actually might explain why Dubai 24 might have a decrease in entries people might be going that because customers you know i think they generally like being like racing overall um but that's on the same weekend as the rolex 24 however 
I don't think there's going to be a direct clash in terms of viewing because it should start early, early in the morning Saturday for us Americans and end before the green flag for the 24. I won't be watching it, but for those of who won't be who are going to be very interested, that's also there for you if it goes ahead. And I would presume it would be streamed because it's at Bahrain and the Bahrain Motorsport, or not Bahrain, Bahrain International Circuit YouTube channel is pretty good about streaming uh, racing events from their circuit. I mean, they do the drag racing every time. They do their 2000cc challenge and other stuff. So there's that to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> that and uh well, I mean it's currently going on right now, but I'm a, I'm a Dakar fan, so Dakar is currently going on and uh interesting watching that as well. Seeing uh Audi try to win the uh the event with their interesting uh electric vehicle. So, uh not doing too well so far though in the current uh I think it's like day 6. Um they've been hitting a lot of troubles. A lot of flat tires this year, but uh um, yeah, and a lot of attrition. So if you're a fan of Dakar, that's happening right now. Uh, they got daily yep. updates, uh, NBC app for us Americans. I'm sure Eurosport and other places got some good recaps too. So that's about it for me for updates for anything coming out this year. Should we, should we move on to some questions, Chris? Yeah, let's take a look at some of the listener questions we had. We called a, we had a call the questions and, uh, Actually, we got to call it something different. Um, <laughs> On the fly. we got to come up with it right now. Uh, if we don't want to get sued by this week in sports cars, uh, we'll just we'll circle back to that and just say <laughs> some people wanted to ask us stuff about sporty cars. Mm-hmm. Now, let's take a look. The first question comes from N.W. Clarkson. Hey, uh, hello for hello. in the future when you're listening to this. Uh what slash how much are you willing to bet that a P2 will take the overall win at Daytona? Mm. I I didn't even, I, I really hadn't even considered that yet, but uh, it's hard to say. I, I don't know what the results are specifically from the testing. Um, I know that the teams are struggling, you know, are still struggling a bit with the Bosch um, hybrid system, you know, working in conjunction with the, the gearbox and all that stuff. So, I mean, I my, my gut feeling is that somebody's going to figure it out. And or at least like get it to so that it'll last 24 hours. But there is definitely that aspect of I mean, if this is a problem that all the teams are experiencing because it it's just a you know a sync problem essentially with the Bosch and the other systems. I mean, we could be looking at lots of failures when it comes to that. However, I I don't know. I mean, that's uh, I I I think I will say that it. Oh man. Yes, I will say that it's definitely probable P2 could uh, win overall at Daytona this year. I, I would probably bet, I don't know, a little bit. I will, I, 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 I'll put 250 on it. I, I'm, team, I'm Team Chaos, so I have to default with the Team Chaos, but I do genuinely right. think that this, I mean, because... But like thinking about it more, the only basis that we've had for like hybrid problems, obviously, is F one a bit. But uh, WEC 
And, you know, we, we've we seen problems with Audi. We've seen problems with Porsche, Toyota. Like, just them having a ton of time to even get a lot of this stuff out of the way and where they're developing their own hybrid systems, they're still running into issues that first or second year. And for Toyota, it, it went a little bit farther than that. But, like, all of them seem to have some sort of problem, especially at the 24 hours of Le Mans. So, uh, you know, and that's well farther into a calendar year in terms of them being able to develop their systems. This genuinely could be a thing where none of the uh, GTPs finish. Um, However, I will say, though, that I I do feel like they could probably go on lip mode without hybrid. So, you know, if they're just using their engines, but then that's that you're talking about braking issues and going through brakes way too more uh, too quickly overheating. So. Yeah, I mean, we could genuinely see these cars fall off or at least have it be in the garage every hour to repair something. So, yeah, I think it's definitely possible in Ibby Clarkson. I, 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 I don't think there'll be a P2 overall win. We might see a, like a Lamar 2017 situation where they might get close. But I don't know. I'm, I guess you could say I'm not much of a dreamer. Um, but I do, I, th- I like, like, like you said, someone might be able to figure it out. I do see that there could be a possibility of teams just dropping out because a supply chain issues like they might not if, even if they like know the problem they might not be able to fix it they might not have the, the yep. part for it yep um or they just don't know the car yet to wor- work around it efficiently um so that could be another situation i know you know people are saying oh porsche and was it acura did the most testing uh, I don't know if that's going to matter too much until, you know, because you could, you could do all this testing all you want, but it doesn't really matter until you get to the racetrack. So. And again, those uh, hybrid systems, I just, like, I, I think to a certain extent we're used to them working all the time now, and especially right. with the already the declared issues that almost every manufacturer that's in LMDH GTP is reporting is that, like, they're having hybrid issues with the Bosch system itself. So... I, like if they can get that ironed out in the next three or four weeks, we'll see. And I do think the the roar will be a good indicator as well to see, you know, just what people are pushing or replacing or fixing and modifying. Uh, I, but yeah, I just there's something in the back of my head that's like he's he's onto something, especially with the hybrid stuff. Uh, this is just such another beast. It's not just like it's a new brand new car, so they got to get TD mm-hmm. issues out. There is. Like, IMSA's adopting hybrid for the first time, and some of these manufacturers haven't really dipped into this that much, uh, you know, for other things. So, yeah, I, I the more I th- I'm thinking about it, the more I definitely would be willing to bet that LMP2 finishes on top. But we'll see. They also have to run a clean race, you know? <laughs> I mean, G- the GTPs could have a lot of problems and still be, you know, 20 laps up and essentially just need to limp to the finish or... Just, just do a little bit of a patch job and just get there, and they could still win. So, uh, but it's no, that's that's a great question. Yeah, and I do think you make a great point. Like, you know, we won't really know, we won't even know the full tale. Just more uh, chapters of the story come around two weeks' time of this recording for the roar before uh, the twenty-four. My personal pick, I think Acura is going to take it. Um, you talk about specifically like engine and hybrid stuff. Apparently, if you know the whole IndyCar engine fiasco that they had a couple weeks ago, not even a couple weeks ago, more like a month ago, where they was like, oh, we're going to backtrack on this idea. Uh, apparently, Acura figured that out. Um, and basically, they took that IndyCar engine, that was the, the, the planned 
IndyCar engine for, I believe, 2024 and just put it in their hypercar. So that's going to be interesting to see. So they might have they might have it figured out since they already worked with hybrid. So we'll, we'll mm-hmm. have to wait and see. Uh, the other question N.W. Clarkson posted, which LMH, LMDH, GCP, uh, which team will be the biggest surprise of 2023 and which will be the biggest disappointment? Hmm. Uh, I I think BMW is going to be the dis- uh, greatest disappointment. You think BMW is going to be a disappointment? I could see that yep. easily being the biggest disappointment. I'll also say Cadillac. Ooh. I I mean I I I don't want to wish them wrong, but at the same time I do feel like I don't know. I I, I think if they can figure if they get their hybrid issues sorted out, like that's a that's a really powerful unit i mean they basically are have just an insane amount of torque at low end and then they just get the hybrid power kicking in too but you know we'll see hopefully that like they don't have any drivetrain issues they're kind of the ones that are doing this in a slightly different way than other uh, you know other oems have done it so you know will this have any repercussions maybe maybe not um but i don't know i if i'm willing to gamble that maybe cadillac has a problem uh or like it's a little bit disappointing with the results this year We'll see. I, it, it seems to be counterintuitive with my logic, but I don't know. Ad, anything's possible, <laughs> Chris. So. Right. I'm trying to figure out the, the biggest I, the biggest surprise. I think biggest surprise is uh, Rolex Twenty Four. You know, they have minimal issues. I think that's going to be the biggest surprise. I think that's an easy easy answer to dunk on there. Mm. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I, yeah, we'll for see. sure they they they've got a V eight in there. So if anything else kind of fucks up, <laughs> they can kind of go well screw it we at least got a big engine in here and just send them out so yeah, maybe that comes into play like all, all the hybrid stuff shuts down but they <laughs> they could they could like a down like torque downshift uh you know with some high revs and somehow save the brakes a bit and not even use hybrid and still win it i don't know that would that would be totally cadillac though so yeah i don't know i mean it could it could genuinely be porsche too i mean porsche penske uh combo uh, you would think that they they're gonna get their stuff figured out, but if you know if they if they have car contact, uh, have some unfortunate luck, and then it's already halfway through the season and they're kind of in the bottom, looking up kind of deal. Like I mean, there's definitely not pressure, but you definitely would have expected more out of them. So uh, it'll be interesting to see too how Porsche handle this. Not to mention you know how competitive that car is versus the competition. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, pretty much all these questions that we're, you know, we're, all these, all the stuff we're talking about. I mean, all the, all, we can just basically base our answers by putting up an Andy Blackmore spotter guide up against our wall and throwing darts on it and uh, throwing black markers of death, <laughs> sir. Excuse right, me. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that'll be what we would go by. Um, oh, here's one from the Wawa Twenty Four. Uh, you pick one driver to co-drive and coach you an endurance race. Who is that? Oh man, I think I think the for I would I would enjoy Nikki team, but then at the same time I feel like I, I don't know he would he would get too much. Oh, he'll be grading right. Yeah, a little bit. Um, maybe like Lawrence Vantor. The dude, I I don't know. I I like um, some of them are good instructors. So I'm maybe uh, I mean obviously Bill Alberlin would be fantastic. Uh, hmm. Oh, 
Johan, yeah, that's a good one. Felipe Nasser, yeah, yeah, he's got an awesome personality. That would be uh, that would be pretty cool. He he's pretty quick too. Uh, how about you, Chris? What are, what are you thinking? Gee, I I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think of something who maybe has. I'm not, I'm not gonna pick a young driver. I'm not gonna. I'm trying to think of maybe someone who's a little bit more more older, no, more. More more laps run under his belt, if you know what I mean. Mm. Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find a good coach. I don't know. Um, Indecisive says Ben Keating. I don't know. I don't know. I I feel like I feel like I wouldn't be able to understand what he's saying because he's like clearing his throat every other <laughs> syllable. So. Okay, well, okay, well, fine. I was, I was and then he he been... follows up with a comment here, learns how to drive and learn how to run a business. You know what? Fine. Oh, yeah, that's, and that's, 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 that's fair. That's, that's fair. fair. I mean, I probably would be doing the same thing, too. The dude knows how to do it. But if we're talking about think, just driving, I don't know. I don't know if Ben Keating would maybe be the best teacher, but he would be a hell of a lot of fun to drive. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> he would be He would be a hoot, as they would say. In, t- in terms of actually, like, learning, I don't know, probably Scott Pruitt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got a good positive attitude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, 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 I believe he's hung up his helmet, but uh, yeah, I mean, he has that experience. He's won multiple Rolex 24s. That's uh, a Sebring, and uh, I think you could, if you're ta- if we're talking about like something where you can learn a lot from, Scott Pruitt would be an easy winner. I wouldn't learn a lot from him, but I would certainly enjoy the hell out of riding with him. But Jordan Taylor. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't learn anything really from it. It would just be a great fucking time. <laughs> yeah. And then last question here. I don't know if it's a joke question. Apologies if it is. Uh, if if uh, my, my bad. Apologies if it's not. Um, Polaris Slingshot. He asks, opinion on the McLaren LMDH. Uh, my answer. Uh, when, if when it ha- if it happens. Yeah, I would say something more disparaging, but I don't want to do it. But yeah, it's um, I don't think so. I think until uh, I think it'll be like kind of the Ferrari thing until McLaren kind of gets their head around Formula One a bit. They're mm-hmm. I don't think they're really looking anywhere else. I, I I think it would have been potentially something had we not had like eight to nine manufacturers basically join. I, I just I, I think. It's smart money at this point for them to go, eh, I'll wait until maybe they do hydrogen in 2024 or until we like, you know, can genuinely go, yeah, we're the king of motorsports with Formula One and then they can start looking and branching out again. But I, I don't know. I just don't see it happening yet. I think if it would have happened, it, that they had a they had the best time to do it was in the past now. So I feel like it's, if anything, it's going to be a few years before they restart it. Yeah, I'll, it's basically just a wait and see. I don't want to like move it off completely. Obviously, Zach Brown, you know, ever since his tenure, he's been moving on to. You no, know, they got you know the Formula E, Extreme E, and the, you know all the works. Um, I don't know, it's just I'm not gonna. I mean, crap on it completely. No, but it's kind of like it's like a situation if um, if there's any Formula One fans, it's sort of like the Audi the F1 situation where people. Oh, years and years and years the rumors keep popping up and nothing happened until it finally did so yep. we might be in the, we might be in the same situation that's my opinion so i have a question as well to pose mm-hmm. for you and i guess for the people listening too um 
thoughts on uh, Asoda uh, Fr- Fr- uh, or I, I can't even say the <laughs> Frasinis, uh, them getting to the grid by Spa. Mm. They just received their tub. Yeah, I know. I know. Back when the Asoda was first announced, a lot of people were oh, like, Frischini, "Oh, this okay. pro." Oh, okay, Freskidi, okay. Thank you. That actually helps a lot. We're, we're, we're dumb Americans who can't pronounce foreign names. On the spot, you know? It's right. hard. I, I, don't know. I remember when it first announced, I believe I was one of like the hugest defenders. I was like, just because we're so-and-so doesn't mean it's not real, right? Because people complain, oh, where there's, where's their social media? Where mm-hmm. are they posting updates? Like, there's no up- Because at first, it was only Graham Goodwin reporting on Daily Sports Card. And yep. obviously, we know Graham Goodwin. He's you know one of the best in the business. When then whatever he reports, it's just not out of thin air. There's usually something there. Um, and and then all of a sudden, you know, for it, they started posting some some pictures, right? Like here's our engine, here's our layout. Then they've shown the renders of the car. And then for each, like it seems like every week, there's something new. That if there was any doubters of this program becoming real. I mean, they're slowly being withered away, which I think it's a great thing because I personally think that it was – well, did I think it was going to happen soon? Not really, but I do think the program was real when it first was reported on. But 2023 Spa, I do think that might be too much. Um, I know there's some people who are gonna, might be defending this to the death, but I don't know. They, I think the, a real possibility – I mean, I know they plan for 2023 for, like, Spa and want to go to Le Mans. I personally think that, uh, if anything, they'll do the Peugeot route and just race part of 2023 towards the end. Or just wait for 2024 and just do, because obviously the end of 2023 is a bunch of flyaway rounds. So I, I personally think 2023 Spa is a huge stretch, but, you know, I'm not in the team. We'll have to wait and see if they make it to Spa. It'll be the huge achievement. Yeah, the, um, yeah. Like, like because um, just just looking at it from the ground, from from a spectator standpoint, it's it looks like an awfully long climb from where they are now to the top of the uh, top of the mountain, which is a working, drivable car for 2023 Spa. So I think uh, the program is real. If you're a doubter on it at this point, I personally think that you are on. Uh, I don't know. I was gonna say something mean, but I'll hold off. Uh, you sh- but um, twenty twenty four looks a lot more realistic. Twenty twenty three, part time at best, in my opinion, and I'll be happily be proved wrong. Yeah, I. Uh, I mean, I would say that too. I think it's just a little too early from what we've just seen of everything in general from sports car racing. Um, that you know, teething issues are just going to be a thing to always have to get through and you're going to want testing, testing, testing as much as you can. So, I mean, you know, we'll see the, the updates have been coming. I don't want to say thick and fast, but they have been coming. And I, you know, if we get another update where all of a sudden they've got the, the, uh, ICE made it to the, uh, the tub and, you know, we're, we're seeing progress where the, the car's getting built. And if it's out somehow rolling by February, late February, I mean, it is a really accelerated program to really want to kick that into homologation where it's it's fully done. But they could do it. I just I think that it might be too bold 
but I, until I think they uh, they get close enough to it, uh, it just looks better on paper for funding and stuff too to say that you can get uh, that you're aiming for spa. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I was definitely not heavily doubting it, but it was kind of more of those like, okay, they definitely are, they want to do it and they're motivated to, and they might have some money, but like, can they actually get to the finish line? And, um, you know, the last few weeks have been a lot more reassuring when it comes to that. So we'll, you know, yep. we'll see as it gets on the, the next couple of months. And, and that's Switzer pointed out in our discord chat. If you're not already in our if you're listening and you're not already in our in our Arshlash WC Discord, what are you doing? Anyway, hey. um, yeah, they uh, they also have that partnership that was just announced. Uh, was it a week ago now? Uh, Vector Sport, who is a LMP2 team in the World Endurance Championship, a new one at that. Um, apparently got like a, a lot of good engineers, a lot of top tier talent for that team. So obviously, at that point, it shows like the LMP2 is kind of just a springboard fo- uh, forward to something. Uh, better and a top and a program in the top class of prototype racing for sports car racing it looks like it's gonna is on the cards for them as they are gonna be running the asada program so awesome to see that that also confirms many people's doubts about having a person to run the team so it's very great to hear vector stepping up um i think at this point cookie i think we might be time for uh Little uh, grinding our gears session. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll roll up our sleeves. Yeah, yeah. it's a little, little new little section of it because we always have a little bit of a uh, of some exasperated, um, long-winded uh, shouting matches. Sometimes <laughs> so, yeah, <okay. laughs> we uh, we we kind of try to maybe dig a segment out here where we can talk about something specific. So. Chris, what do you got for me today or for this uh, episode? What do you got? What, what's grinding your gears right now in no. the sporting world, I guess, or in the world in general? Because we can talk about All other right. things besides sports car racing. and It's possible. Yeah. Let's see. I may have, it, this might, this might, might have been a, uh, might be a part two, but the people who keep complaining about the Rolex Twenty Four entry list, shut up! It's 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 been weeks <laughs> since it was announced. Like, I, first of all, like I remember when the whole thing was announced, like there were some complaints, right? Now, where's Casey? And like the people knew about the reserve list. It was like, okay, we'll have to wait and see. You now, if they have a specific, because if you look at the IMSA regs, they have a. Uh, like a specific guideline on how they accept entries. It's like, oh yeah, okay, you know that's that makes sense. You know, then the entry list comes out. Everyone got mad at LMP3s, which I I agree. You know, LMP3s shouldn't be there. But I understand why they gave it another year in the first place. But nuance is dead in online sports car racing discussions. So people won't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you know the whole KCMGs not being there. <laughs> And there's like the whole TGM fiasco. They got people up in the see. Like I, I don't know. Like I'm not a one-dimensional person. I'm not gonna defend TGM. Like I understand people are upset that they should be in GTD instead of GTD uh, DD Pro. But like they're just they're they're exploiting the rules. They're using the Cooper McNeil rule. Like, mm-hmm. um. And and people are upset that they got in over KCMG. KCMG. They're only there for Daytona. They're it. That that that's it. They're a one and done. TGM, however, 
they race in the IMSA full-time. It might not be WeatherTech, it's a Michelin Pilot Challenge, but they race in full-time. And on a business sense decision, who are you going to let in? The person who only comes in once and just says, okay, thank you for, you know, thanks for letting me join and then dips for the rest of the year? Or the person who makes you your money? And people just don't seem to grasp that concept, and it irritates me so much. Yeah, and I, I, I think, I, I think those complaints will always come because of what it's being done as. And and while I, I do understand people's opinions with that, I do also see the aspect where, uh, you know, the organizing body is going to try to default to somebody that's that's in already in their system versus somebody else. However, it is. You know, that is the one thing where it is tough to kind of go to necessarily defend IMSA because they don't really explain themselves with that decision making where I think it would be easier for people that would want to defend them to be like, yes, see, clearly that's what their logic in this, Uh, because it is, you know, I feel like a lot of the a lot of the people commenting on this or complaining about it, uh, see it as for what it is and not necessarily for like, oh, this is. You know, they're they're trying to maybe dip their toes into this to step up. I mean, it, it would be kind of like a, a Xfinity Series team wanting to do the Daytona 500 and trying that out. And I think that's a little bit where IMSA's head is at, too, where they're, they're just seeing this as, um, you know, the potential to promote a team that has been doing well or doing things in their in their environment. So I, I can see both sides. I just... It does suck that it, KCMG is the highlighted team here, um, and while they do only show up for one race, uh, especially the way that it ended last year and the amount of highlights that I've seen with that clip in it, um, it it does feel a little weird for them to be on the reserve list and to see them not, you know, basically have a spot on the grid. Uh, but I do, like I said, I, I'm with you. I do understand uh, where IMSA is coming from with it. So it's not like I'm not. Here's the thing. Like, I'm not like the huge TGM defenders. Like, oh, they the, they deserve to be there. I'm not gonna say they deserve to be in GTD Pro. I mean, they just took like I mean, obviously within the regulations, they're allowed to be there. Obviously, I think most people would, with with sense would be like, oh yeah, they that lineup deserves to be in GTD. Um, and I hope kind of I hope IMSA kind of closes that loophole. Yeah, yeah, um, me too. Me personally, um, on the LMP3 front. I personally, I I, under, I absolutely agree that LMP3s should should really not be in the main series anymore. But let's let's take a step back here. Hindsight is twenty twenty, right? Because when do they announce? You know, that all this stuff is going to happen, right? August, and at that point, you have to get your stuff in order so the teams can prepare for next year, and. If I remember correctly, at that point, the hypercarp or the GTP picture wasn't as clear as it is today, right? And they probably thought, oh, you know, we got like so-and-so prototypes this year when you had LMP3s. Um, maybe it'll be like the – maybe we'll keep LMP3 as like a safeguard in case, you know, we don't – we get pretty much the same amount of entries so that way we have a guaranteed full grid, Right. And obviously, with hindsight, we're like, okay, that was a massive mistake. Uh, but I personally think the only reason LMP3 is there this year is so, you know, because teams already made budgets for them. And that's the one thing you don't want to do when you're part of your base 
is people paying for your, um, you know, paying for entries. This this would make them mad. So they're like, okay, we'll, we'll leave you guys in for one more year, but I would presume that after this year, or makes basically they're going to be telling the teams, hey, you're not going to be in the main series anymore. You're going to be in the VP Racing Sports Car Challenge. Yep. That's where you can race your LMP3s. Um, and so I personally think that's what happened. It wasn't like IMSA. IMSA was like, oh, they're so dumb. I think it was just like, I think they really wanted to, but they didn't have as much... Um, certainty on what the grid was going to be and people were probably already planning for next year's calendar so it was like okay we'll have to wait and right and obviously this led a lot of people getting angry but eh, i don't know but the, but the good news is at least they added these um this is recent news which we'll talk more in depth on the uh, 24 rolex podcast sun energy one is in which i feel like they're more deserving than kcmg because a uh, Sun Energy One has been there for more years than KCMG has, and and B they're going to be racing full time in the Michelin Endurance Cup, um, so that leads us to 25 GTD entries. So I don't know. Okay, still going to be a good Rolex, but that that was just something that kind of irrationally made me mad that people didn't understand how it worked, and people and like it, 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 when you take a look at how IMSA did it, they were completely fair. So like I, I that that's uh, that's why I was that's what that's what irked me that's what grinded my gears throughout this past couple couple week period. <laughs> well, good. I mean, it's I, I but I, it's a good discussion to have too. I mean, um, especially because right, it's a Cooper and McNeil rule, but I, there's always yeah. I think there can always be a slight restructuring to allow for a potentially more fair way to do this and like you said i do think lmp2 or lmp3 leaves next year and thus you know giving a little bit more leeway for entries however gtp privateers are going to be trying to gobble up those spots too so you know we might be talking and, about uh, this in a calendar year again and and, and mustang uh don't yes about mustang. yes mustang corvette with their new gt3s and yeah and corvette with their new gt3 so that's going to be we're going to have the same discussion Probably in the calendar year. Next year. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have the same discussion next year. People are going to get... I, I, I can see it already. People are going to get miffed. People are going to be left out. And I I don't know. It's gonna, it's, that's going to be really, really tough. Because at least next year, are, are we going to get people calling for, oh, they should remove LMP2 now? Or are we going to get are we gonna get those people? I don't yeah. know. It's yeah. going to be interesting to see how, how that works. How that, uh, because I mean, I personally think that when next year comes, there's going to be a lot of entries. All of them are going to be pretty deserving, um, unless unless T, unless TGM decides like Buenos Dias and, <laughs> and does a does a GTD Pro thing. I don't know, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see. Um, hopefully, it's I don't know. Hopefully, IMS, if 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 this does become a problem, maybe. IMSA could set up like an invite system or something for like I don't know, I don't know. Well, I just have to wait and see. Mm -hmm. Yeah, much can change. Much can change. But yeah, mm -hmm. uh, I guess for I guess I gotta go right now. Is that how this works? Yeah, you gotta air out your grievances. We miss <laughs> we miss Festivus by half a month. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Uh, no, I'm gonna stick with Daytona. Um, I did I did say earlier that it wasn't gonna be about the racing. And I am sticking to that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to talk about Rolex 24 attendance, uh, all that stuff. I do not like 
what's going on with Daytona, uh, DIS in general. I think for whatever reason, uh, they are very much more focused on NASCAR or at least just servicing the, the, the NASCAR crowd right now than it is IMSA or the sports car racing crowd. And it, it really is grinding my gears to a point where like something needs to be changed or announced uh, for how they deal with attendees at the track, campsites, all that stuff. It's completely a mess. Um, it's it. I, I've said it, it resembles uh, Green Bay Packer tickets where you basically have to will it to your family in order to get season tickets. But this is just a single <laughs> event. Um, and the restrictions they've been putting on campsites, um, converting campsiting, uh, campsite first come first serve to reserved RVs, um, and then also allowing those RV sites to own further campsites is reducing the total volume of available camping for anybody that's inside the track, outside the track, anywhere. Uh, they do not have local campgrounds within five miles of the place to just camp and somehow get there. Um, they are sold out of uh, in-person parking, meaning they're going to have to have overflow lots and bus people from like a half a mile from where the track is, essentially to where to get to the front gates. And that's if you're visiting, not to mention if you're going to be trying to camp there and are just bringing your car. Um, and the way that they do it is all in a reserve system. And all of that is completely broken because essentially it's all done on July and most of the people will do not give up their passes. They will sell them for three to four times their face value. Uh, I don't understand why this is becoming such a big problem um, because it shouldn't be like this. Uh, they have space even in the lot four uh, where they are just doing general parking. They could easily make that some form of a campground um, just like they do on the Geico West side. Uh, you know, there are, I'm not saying that the, it's an easy fix here, uh, but there are opportunities for them to at least allow more people to come and visit the event because it has absolutely exploded, uh, in popularity over the last five years. And they've essentially done the opposite. They've restricted, they've made it more almost inclusive and more difficult for people to just come and enjoy themselves, especially with the hiked rates of hotels they all get are they're completely booked. I mean, there's literally teams that were still looking for RV spots that they were willing to spend two thousand dollars on infilled RV spots from literally general admission people that were just buying tickets, um, just so that they could like stay on track because there's the hotels are all booked. I mean, it's it, it's like I understand that this is uh, it's always going to be a problem with the expanding amount of people that are interested in the sport. However. When it genuinely comes to the event of 24-hour sports car racing, it is not like the Daytona uh, 500. You can't just expect people to show up on one day, stay the entire day, see the event, go home, and never come back. Um, they a, they have set up their infield and their camping to be like it is for the only dedicated people to ever be there at all for the Daytona 500. Those are the people that get to stay in the infield for two or three days or the outfield and just camp. Everybody else is bored, situated to come in for the day. That's not how this works at all for 24-hour racing, especially for a sports car racing weekend. And I just think that it's their entire method of trying to essentially force the sports car racing world to adopt and use NASCAR's way of, of allowing for daily tickets, entrance, and for people to just mingle in and out of the track while a 24-hour race is going on is, is completely outdated. 
and there's it just feels completely I, I don't know um no thought of planning or forethought into any of this whatsoever um and you know for to that end like the frustrating part is that i don't feel like there's they have any reason to change this whatsoever until more people complain about it they're just going to keep making more and more and more money off of this stuff and people are absolutely willing to spend five thousand dollars on rv spots in which like some of these retail stuff are less than a hundred dollars like there's car passes and camping passes that are less than two hundred dollars that are being sold for easily over five hundred six hundred dollars and it just it just doesn't feel i mean i we could ge- we could just generally be at that at cusp now for the the racing community where we're now having to spend eight hundred dollars for tickets but it just seems like it went from uh from zero to a hundred especially with the relics 24 in the last two years to a point where now, like, it, you have to know somebody or you have to be connected in order to get a camping site to go to the Rolex 24. And I just, that does, that just, that just sits wrong with me because even at the, at Lamar, they don't have, like, they've been reducing their campgrounds and RV and just that in general there. But there's never been a problem where people are just completely boxed out of being able to just uh, camp at the event in general because they can't even get tickets. And that's really what we're at with the Rolex 24 is that there's just nothing available left. Um, and yeah, so I just, I wish that there was an alternate way to do something like this, but at least like uh, me maybe complaining about it a little bit and, you know, uh, starting a petition to get rid of Lake Lloyd, maybe that's something we could do too. So <laughs> <laughs> look, look, all I'm saying is it's a retention pond. I get it. I get it. It's supposed to be for drainage. I get it. But look, we are, that has been in place since the 50s. Um, it did not fare well at all with Ian. That had nothing to do with storm shears. That was 10 inches of rain happening in a 12-hour period. I get that that's deluge and that's not, you know, the, the the retention pond is not supposed to handle that. But at the same time, if the retention pond has a limit to it, and it's literally supposed to be for rain, and when we do get these potentially more frequent hurricanes that we're going to be getting, you're also talking about more damage anyway. So if the infield's going to get flooded by these massive storms with a massive retention pond in it, you're probably going to have to spend a crap ton of money to fix it, but is there an option to actually have drainage that doesn't end up in the middle of the infield where we can maybe use that space more? Because again, this is like this is insanely valuable real estate essentially that Daytona is uh, consolidating into a very small space in which most of that seems to now be made up of car corrals and uh, like dealer showcases. So... I mean, if we're talking about like, oh, well, we just don't have space anymore. It's like, well, I mean, that thing over there didn't really work too well in the last hurricane. I mean, can we, are there any extra drainage options we could talk about where we can maybe save some space? Again, these are like hundreds of million dollar decisions here, but I just feel like, like it just is not enjoyable to have to feel like you're competing against like 800,000 other people for what is essentially 20 tickets that are open every year for camping. So, and I, 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 and I don't know if anything's changed because I obviously I, I've been to the event back in 2020, um, before everything went to you know crap. Um, and around the it was around the kink in the infield, there was like this whole BMW hospitality. Uh, thing where like I, I knew somebody with a BMW car key that he, he rented so but they, they, they didn't they weren't any of the wiser so we got him got free food and was able to watch the race on their little projector um, but like there's so much space for everybody to park their BMWs and for anyone to like you know 
all the all the tents. And it's just I I that's I don't know. I wish I under. No, uh, this is not trying you know uh, you know say eat, eat the rich sort of thing. But I don't know I, I, if that spot could be reserved for you know more camping space and maybe push the BMW guys like outside of it. I, I don't know. I feel like that might be a better alternative. You can have all, all the all the uh. The, the Corvette Corral or the BMW, you can have that stuff outside of the track for engagement or something like that, yeah. maybe. Yeah. But then you can have, like, you know, the, the fan experience in, in the infield. And, I mean, again, the way that they do this, too, is that they there is no way to get from the infield to the outer sections of the track um, unless you take a shuttle or you can or you decide to walk, and which I don't recommend it because the way they have you walk is super long. It takes a long time. You never get anywhere. Daytona is massive, and like the if you think it's massive, think how much bigger it is because that's how bigger and much bigger it is. It's it's just huge, oh, definitely. And I just feel like it, it, the ways in which that you're a spectator, you're already hamstrung in the ability to get from one place to the other. That you know they're. There's just no incentive at all to want to, to not necessarily stay outside of the track, but like, you know, if you're parking and whatnot, like I, like that you are you already like um, corralled into those spots anyway. So if you're going to set stuff up on the outside, you could easily set a lot of these places up where they're engaging with people before they go into the track and and do that kind of stuff. I just. You know, I don't know if that ever gets changed. Maybe they would, they could do something where they can open it up a little bit more. But it seems like Daytona just is doesn't want to do anything when it comes to the for what they did ten years ago with how they set up their areas for like car parking and then tent camping and RV. Like all of those lines have not changed. They've all stayed the exact same. It's got more filled up in those areas, but like there's still a massive place for um, infield park, like specifically for all the team parking, and there's a massive place specifically for all of the the tent vendors and all that stuff. And it's it takes up a ton of the infield space, and it's just kind of all right. Well, you know, uh, if that is the priority, if we're gonna make it so that guys that are spending three thousand dollars to park their Porsche and have the whole Porsche infield whatever experience so that they can easily go to these different stuff and not have to deal with the others that camp on the track, like, that's fine. But just at least lean into that more or do something. Because, like, at this point, it just doesn't feel like I like any of this is for me. Uh, just a, a racing fan, a dedicated racing fan that enjoys being here. It, you know, and again, sports car racing is definitely a higher, uh, you know, income level than other forms of motorsport could be. But I just, like... There's a part of it where Daytona just it, it feels very cold. Daytona like does not care about the average sports car fan. They care about the people that are willing to drop large amounts of money on experiences and that's about it. And I, I don't know. I you know, that's that's the one thing that I will absolutely like cherish about Sebring and to even to a certain extent Petit Le Mans and Road Atlanta is that there is a segment of it where they do still realize and understand that the average fan is what makes this sport and it's what makes the sport as passionate as it is. And I just hope that in the future, maybe because there might just be more squeezing and more complaints to the lodge at Daytona for how this event is getting too crowded or just too exclusive that they do something to expand capacity in some way um but anyway well 
as a person living in Wisconsin. Not my circus, not my monkeys. Nope, <laughs> not at all, not at all, not at all. Uh, it, it'll be, it'll absolutely, um, like, I'll be beside myself if somehow Sebring starts to do something like that, but I just don't. The way that they have handled it, I think, is the way that it really should be done for every other track. Um, you know, that they have designated RV space, uh, but outside of that, everything's general admission, first come, first serve. Daytona used to do that a lot with their camping, but their first come, first serve stuff is just minimal now I mean, it's laughably minimal in the geico west lot where you basically show up on tuesday wednesday and then you are let in thursday morning um so that still exists at daytona it's just the amount of available lots are just pitiful um so i think that again that's the way to, to do it in my opinion and to and to maintain 125,000, 110,000 fan crowds for race weekends uh that sebring does so well i think we hopefully cooled off a bit we aired out our grievances yep and uh <laughs> although we, we did talk a whole bunch about uh the dubai and asian Le Mans, obviously the main focus is going to be the rolex 24 which we will have a separate podcast on that coming around mid-january we want to have that come out right before roar weekend so we want so basically during the week of the roar we'll try to get everything recorded that's when we'll know, hopefully know, all the drivers that are competing and give you an accurate rundown of the event. Um, and then, I don't know if this has been announced, Cookie, but we are planning, don't want to say confirmed, we want to hold ourselves too high of a standard. We might have a live show right after qualifying um, on Roar Weekend Sunday. Don't it's not confirmed but it's it's in the works so if you're at it's after qualifying and you see us in the sound booth hop on in because if you if you were in here during the Nurburgring 24 live show where we did the podcast immediately after qualifying uh, we we talked about the weekend's events we even had some users come on the show and ask user questions and it'll be a fun time if we do it so yeah so expect a Rolex 24 podcast uh, preview be right before the roar 24 weekend and perhaps a live show right after uh, rolex 24 qualifying on the sunday of roar weekend well, i think that pretty much wrapped things up from my end anything you want to tail end this no <laughs> no we'll have another episode uh coming in beginning of february for recap for january a bit too so uh also, i mean uh, bathurst 12 hour preview yep well. bathurst 12 hour preview i could you know if there's any other updates for asian lost series we'll be making them then too so yeah i mean like i said this is uh it it starts to start kicking in gear now but it's gonna get hot and heavy <laughs> Coming up. Come on, come on, Cookie. <laughs> you got to keep this somewhat PG rated. Oh, God. Yeah, uh, so it'll be, uh, I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it. I think we definitely should have that live episode after um, after qualifying. We uh, we had, I had a lot of fun, uh, especially at the after the Nürburgring 24 qualifying. So, yeah, uh, stay look forward to the previews on there. I'm going to be updating the uh, subreddit, uh, the old subreddit. I will be working a little bit with the new subreddit, but I have not been kind to both rwc and our imsa racing's uh css for the older subreddit so i want to get those updated um and we'll hopefully have all auto moderator stuff working i did some tests last couple weeks so those seem to be okay so this might be the first year we actually have automation when it comes to some of our race threads so this would be uh, exciting news for the 
geeks in the audience. But yeah, that's about it. <laughs> Hope you had a good New Year, Chris. I, it was definitely a good New Year. Uh, I was sitting at home in my apartment in New Year's Eve and looked at all the roadside cameras in my county as all the roads turned to glare ice. So I was kind of sitting in, uh, in my in my uh, comfy pajamas and kind of laughing at other people's yeah. suspense. Not e eating popcorn <laughs> and watching the chaos. That's that's what I'm about. Yep. So, yeah. No, awesome. I hope you guys had a good New Year, too. And, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll catch you in a month if you're here for the final stint. But uh, we've got a Rolex 24-hour race coming up in uh, this month that you'll definitely want to be listening to us, too, for that. So stay tuned. On behalf of Chris, uh, this is uh, Austin Zesby, Cookie Monster, uh, signing off. Uh, peace out and gazoo! <laughs>